number two of our series uh, entitled Four Things I Wish You Knew About God. Uh, we kicked this series off last week uh, and, and we looked at that God is more powerful than we could ever imagine. He's more powerful than we could ever imagine. Uh, and, and we're going to continue this series now. And this is one that I think is probably one that we get really tripped up on. I want to talk about God is more present. That God is actually much more present than, than we actually can even wrap our heads around. And uh, I want to start off by kind of asking a question. Uh, how many of you thought growing up, if, you've, if you're grown, maybe you're not yet, but how many of you thought growing up that your parents were like everywhere at the same time? Well, is that just me? I, I was convinced that like if I ever did anything wrong, somehow mom and dad were going to find out about it. And you know what? They always did. And, and I, I would be like at a friend's house or at school or something. Somehow, mom and dad always found out about like lightning speed. And, and it made me feel like, you know, around Christmas time, we talk about Santa Claus, right? He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Knows if you've been good or bad. Bad or good, so be good for whatever. That was my mom. That wasn't Santa Claus. That was my mom. I was convinced of that until one day, I remember I was a senior in high school. Uh, one of my classes was canceled, the last one. So I came home early. And I walk in, and, and the car's there. Mom's supposed to be there. I don't know where she is. Like, Mom, Mom, don't know where she is. I go upstairs, and, and I hear this sound, some music or something. I open the office door, and my mother is on her face, kneeling, praying. Be careful if your parents pray, kids. I'm just going to tell you that, because God will tell them what you're doing. And he did that to my parents all the time. And, and like, like she would come out of there. I realized now, you know, I'd come home. She's like, is there anything you want to tell me? And I'd be like, what? Are you kidding? That was just eighth period. How could that get to you already? You know, when I did that in class. But I was convinced my parents just knew it all. They saw it all and all that. But the reality is we know as human beings that we're so limited. But that's not the case with God. The reality is God is even much more present than we can even possibly think or imagine. And that, that fact should give us comfort. It shouldn't really disturb us unless we're trying to hide something, but it should really give us a tremendous amount of comfort and strength and peace as well. And so the, the big idea in our time together this week number two in this series is this, God is more present than we think and invites us to lean in to his presence. God is much more present than we actually think, and he invites you and I to lean into his presence. Because here's the thing, he's more present, but the reality is if, can I put it this way, if we don't acknowledge his presence, if we don't tap into his presence, if we don't lean in, it doesn't benefit us the way that he wants to benefit us with his presence. And so this is the big idea around the whole uh, message uh, today. God is more present than we think, and he invites us to lean into his presence. Now, that being said, uh, I, I want to start off by reading a passage of Scripture that was written by David, King David in the Old Testament, one of the Psalms. And, and God said about David himself, he said, he's a man after my own heart. He didn't say that about Moses. He didn't say that about Abraham. He didn't say that about any of the other Old Testament characters that we have. None of, those, none of the people, except for David. He said, David's a man after my own heart and had all kinds of flaws and problems. But, but David got a lot right, I think is what God was saying. And, and, and so look at Psalm 139. 
David begins to talk about God's presence. And I want to just read this and then unpack it uh, at the start of this, uh, uh, this message. Psalm 139, verse 7. It's, David is speaking, says, I can never escape from your spirit. I, I, I can't get away from it. He says, I can never get away from your presence. Now, that's one thing, first of all, we need to realize. You can't get away from God. I know so many people that are running from God. And you, you, you'd make just as much, uh, you'd accomplish just as much by standing in the same place. You can't run away from God. He's everywhere. You're just wasting your energy, wasting your time. David says, I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. It goes on and it says, if I ride the wings of the morning, I'll explain that in just a minute. If I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me. And your strength will support me. It's like, I, I can't get away from you. I just can't get away from your presence, God. And the whole point is this. He's not trying to get away. He's just stating the fact. And it goes on and says, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. God doesn't even need like night vision or, you know, anything like that. David says, it makes no difference to you. Sun up, sun down, wherever I go, whatever I do, you're there. And as I said, this should be and could be a real comforting fact. It could also be real disturbing as well. God is more present. God is right here with us right now. And I don't say that because we're in a gathering, a church gathering, church service. Because the reality is when you go home today, God is just as much with you. When you lay your head on your pillow tonight, God is just as much with you. Tomorrow, if you have to work and you go out to work, God is just as much with you as he is here in a church service. I'll just put a little parenthesis on that. Simply because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of it. There's a kind of a different presence in a sense. But God's presence is not confined to a building. God is with us wherever we go. And he's much more present than we realize. This is, in, in theology, this is uh, uh, called actually the doctrine of God's omnipresence. That God's presence is everywhere. So let's talk about God is omnipresent. This is a powerful, powerful idea. And so uh, I, I want to try to explain it because it's, it's kind of complex. But I want to explain it the best that, that I can in a way that can be understood. Uh, let's look at this verse first. Jeremiah 23, verse 23 through 24. God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. And listen to what he says. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? <laughs> Same idea, like, you, you can't run away from me. Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them? 
It's a rhetorical question. It's not waiting for someone to raise their hand. Declares the Lord, do, do, not, uh, do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. He's like, heaven, earth, everything. I'm there. You can't run away. I see it all. God is omnipresent. You know, uh, I was a kid of the 70s, and, and uh, I was 10 years old when Star Wars came out. I, I'm like a Star Wars kind of geek. I, I really am. Uh, I actually have some original, about 15, 20 original Star Wars figures uh, still. <laughs> and uh, Susie was really impressed with those when I showed those to her when I was 20. And uh, I keep them under lock and key at home because they're in mint condition. But uh, anyway, my brother and I, we had lightsabers and we, we dressed up like, uh, you know, the, the characters and all that. But in Star Wars, you know, may the force be with you. Uh, that's a pitiful analogy to what we're talking about today. It, it, it's kind of like a little, it's a false philosophy, really. May the force be with this, the good side of the force and the bad side. It's great fiction. I absolutely love it, and I'll be the first at the theater when the next movie is released uh, later on in December. I think it's 17th, but who's counting? But anyway, uh, but, but, the, but the whole point is the whole idea, may the force be with you. You know, it's almost like a wish. I hope it's with you. That's not God. He's with us. Whether we want him to be or not, whether we acknowledge that he is or not, am I only a God nearby, he says, or am I also a God far away as well? And so when we talk about God's omnipresence, uh, let me just define this real quickly for you. So just listen, uh, this is kind of important to understand so we don't get tripped up because other religions and other faiths in the world uh, kind of capitalize on this idea and twist it a little bit, but it's really not the clear teachings of scripture. And so when we talk about God's omnipresence, it means this, God is a personal being. He's not a mist, he's not a vapor, he's not a force. He's personal. God is a personal being, and he's also separate and distinct from creation. In other words, nature is not God, but God is in nature. But he's distinct from nature. He, he's a personhood. And, and so it's important that we don't start worshiping creation, thinking it's the creator. That's not it at all. And, and so God is a personal, uh, uh, for, uh, he has, God is a personal being, and he is also separate and distinct from creation. The Bible makes it very clear. God is superior to creation. That's why we don't worship trees. That's why we don't worship the sun, because God is superior to all of those things as well. He's above his creation, and yet he's present in every single part of his creation. And so where, do you, where can you run away from God? Nowhere. The awesome thing about the doctrine of God's omnipresence, the attributes of God, which is called theology proper, the study of God, theology, theo, God, is not only, it's not like God is so big, but he's spread really, really thin everywhere. The doctrine of God's omnipresence is this, that God is so big and so powerful, like we talked about last week, that simultaneously, each one of us live out our lives with his undivided attention on us. That's God's omnipresence. 
So many times, you know, we're doing something, something happens, some, you know, crisis or something like that, and we're like, oh, maybe God was worried about something going on in the Middle East, and, you know, he turned his head. No, that doesn't understand what the Bible says God is, who God is. That every moment, every beat of your heart, you live out with God's undivided attention focused upon you. And I do too. That's God's omnipresence. Next week, we're going to talk about God is more loving than we think. It's important to understand his omnipresence so that we realize he's more lo- he loves us so much, he never takes his eye off of any one of us. But that's next week. His omnipresence. So, let's look at the reach of God's presence. Back to Psalm 139 here. The reach of God's presence. After David makes the statement, uh, the initial statement uh, about God, you know, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Then David has three couplets of specific illustrations, which are kind of interesting. I just want to unpack this uh, for just a minute in Psalm 139. The first thing is this. He says, the highest and the lowest. The reach of, of, of God's presence, it reaches to the highest and also to the lowest. Look at it again, Psalm 139, verse 8, where it says, if I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. Now, let me just hit the first one uh, real quick. If I go up to heaven, you're there. Some of you remember during the space race, you know, in the 60s and all, the first Russian cosmonaut who went out into space, and he said, I'm here, where's God? You know, like, you know, and just like, step outside the capsule. You'll find him real quick. Uh, you know, that you'll, you'll meet him face to face. There you go. Uh, so, so, you know, just like, and uh, didn't work out so well for the Soviet Union. Anyway, so uh, he goes, if you go up to heaven, he goes, I'm there. I'm there with you. God is there as well. And then David says this, if I go down to the grave, you're there. Now, this is an interesting word here. Uh, some translations in English say grave, and that's pretty good. But some also say sheol, which is another name for hell. And so David here is saying, in death, you're there. If I go to heaven, you're there. Even if I spend eternity in hell, you're there. There's no place in this life or the life to come that the fullness of who you are is not there. Your omnipresence. Second uh, little comparison David makes. He says the fastest and the farthest. Not the fast and furious, but the fastest and the farthest there. This is pretty amazing. First he goes, as high up as you can go, God, you're there. As, as low as you can go, God, you're there. Now he says, as fast as you can go, and as far as you can go, you're there. Look at verse 9. He says, if I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans. What is he talking about in that the wings of the morning? He's literally talking about when you see a sunrise. You ever been to the beach and you, you're staying on the beach or something? Like, I got to get down to the beach for sunup. And you're standing there, and all of a sudden, the light hits. Pew! And this is just crazy, because David wrote this, oh, only about 3,000 years ago. And he says, you're faster than the speed of light. 
Light travels so quickly. Do you know right now if, if we had a powerful enough light that we turned it on, the speed of light travels so quickly that it would take two seconds for that beam of light to hit the sun? Two seconds. That's the speed of light. We shot a beam that could reach the sun from here. David says, that's how fast you are. I can't outrun you. I never beat you in a sprint. You're that fast. If I ride in the wings of the morning, you're there. If I dwell in the farthest oceans, and that was one of the big unknowns a few thousand years ago, what's really below? There are still oceans that have never been explored, the depths today. And David goes, if I go to the deepest, darkest, underwater canyon that no human being alive has ever seen, you're there. There's nowhere. The fastest and the farthest. Then the third example he gives is the lightest and the darkest. The highest and the lowest, the fastest and the farthest, and then the lightest and the darkest. Look again at verse 11 of Psalm 139. He says, I could, ask, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Even in darkness, you can't hide. I thank God for that. That, that, that God can see in the dark. Boy, I, when I grew up, I, I, was, uh, I, I had a lot of fear when I grew up. And when I was a little guy, and I had two older brothers, a younger sister, and they always kind of played on my fears. And, and I remember like going to bed at night, <laughs> you know, 10, 11 years old, scared to death, you, you know. And, and I can just remember like laying in my bed, being so scared, and I'd hear a sound, and, and, and my parents taught me this verse from Psalms, and times I am afraid I will trust in you. Actually, it was King James. What times I am afraid I will trust in thee. And I can remember just laying in bed, and, and the tears just rolling down the side of my face. I'm going, what times I am afraid I will trust in thee. What times I am afraid I will trust in thee. What times I am afraid I will trust in thee. I trust in thee. I trust in thee. And I'll never forget it. One night, I, I was laying in bed, and I'm just totally terrified because there's sounds. What time are you afraid of trusting me? I was just laying in the bed. What time are you afraid of trusting me? And, and, I, and I, 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 I heard a sound coming from my closet. <laughs> and I was like, no, this, 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 this can't be because mom and dad prayed for me. It's been like 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes, and, 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 and it's kind of dark, you know, but it was like dusk. I can almost see I'm a little guy. And I'm going, what time is I'm afraid of trusting thee? What time is I'm afraid of trusting and, and And I saw the garage, uh, the, the closet door begin to slide. And I'm going, what, what time? And then finally I got up just enough courage. I'm like, I'm going to sit up because the, the closet door's totally wide open. I just saw it open completely. And now it's pitch dark, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I sat up, and I turned to look, and just as I did, my brother Scott jumped out with a lightsaber and goes, yeah, like that. It'd been like an hour since my parents tucked me in. I got stiff as a board, literally. It's like, I couldn't even move. Dad had to come and like pry my arms like that. Had to change the covers on the bed, you know, and everything like that. 
And, and I, I, think my dad, I think my brother got a whooping or either my dad just really laughed hard while he had him in the room there or something like that. But I'm so glad that God can see in the dark. We don't have to fear the dark because he's there. And he's there in your darkest hour too. And that's what David was talking about. In the brightest, most wonderful moment of your life, he's there. And he's also there. In the darkest hour. When you can't see what tomorrow's going to bring, maybe not even what the next hour is going to bring. David says, You're there. You're with me. That's the reach of God's presence. The highest and the lowest, the fastest and the farthest, the lightest and the darkest. See, here's the thing. I think if we were more aware of God's presence, if you and I just leaned into God's presence more than just even as important as it is to gather like this, but if there was a way that, that with God's grace we could just get to the front of our minds that he's with us all the time, I think it would change the way that we live. I think it would change the perspective on every single surprise, every single crisis, every single challenge that you and I ever face. And so in the remaining time that we have together, I want to share with you just seven ways that we can become more aware of God's presence. Or, Or if I could put it this way, Seven evidences that we are aware of God's presence. And and just as we go through these seven things, could could I just encourage you, like, rate yourself on a scale of one to five? One being poor, five being awesome. One to five. And then just look back over your nose and like, all right, you know what? I need to become more aware of your presence. For my sake. Because if we could just really, as God invites us to, lean into his presence, it it changes everything. The awareness of God's presence, seven ways that we can be aware of God's presence. And by the way, for the sake of time, I, I had a list of 17 ways, but I had to whittle it down. I was like, there's no way we're getting through that and nobody will come back next week if we do that. And I didn't want to make it a two-part message. So anyway, here's the first one. We regularly seek God's guidance when we're aware of his presence. We just finished a series about divine direction, Right? And how God does want to guide us and direct our lives. Even the small stuff matters to him. If we were aware of God's presence with us all the time, all throughout the day, that there's no place we can ever run, that, that, that he never just turns his back on us and says, I can't do anything with it. Oh, forget it. I'm done. He never does that. We regularly would seek his guidance. When our minds are set on the Lord, we want his direction for our choices in every area of our life. Because here's the thing, his choices are always the best for us. We might not like him in the moment, but they're always, he alone is the one that really has our best interest at heart. He knows what's best for us. And we would seek his guidance. 
Look at what Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says. It says, don't worry about anything. <laughs> not the big stuff. Not the small stuff. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Not just the big stuff. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Thank him for it all. Just in a moment, and, and, and it's important, and don't get me wrong, I think it's so important that, that every morning we start our day with prayer. It doesn't have to be an hour, not hour and a half or anything, but, but just spend a couple of minutes just praying. Start your day that way. But here's the thing I want to encourage you. Don't then forget about him the rest of the day. In the New Testament, there's another passage. I don't have it for you right now, but where it says, pray without ceasing. Don't ever stop. So what does that mean? Prayer is a ongoing conversation all day long. And, and, and so sometimes, you know, Susie and I, we're FaceTiming with our kids, and we're talking to one of our girls, and like, oh, man, this came up, and, uh, you know, I, I got to talk to this person and work out this difficulty, and I'm like, let's pray right now. We just pray. We're in a staff meeting, and someone is sharing something. I said, well, let's pray. Pray. Just take a moment, Pray. Like, well, Greg, that's easy. You're a pastor, you know, and, and all that. Yeah, but you can do it under your breath if it's going to get you fired. <laughs> Boss comes in like, I need these done by 5 o'clock. Instead of swearing under your breath, pray. <laughs> God, help me. I need your grace. Help me, Lord, to get this done. Because God says, if you focus on me, don't worry about anything. Worry is the equivalent to a lack of trust and acknowledgement of God's presence. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Second thing, just being aware of God's presence. If we're really aware of his presence, I think we'd see God as our companion. But he's a friend. No matter what you're going through, even, even the loss of a loved one, you're never alone because God's your friend. He's your constant companion. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 14, and he's speaking of the Holy Spirit who he's going to send. Look at this, John chapter 14. It's, it's the God's Word translation, not the Greg Williamson translation, by the way. They're just, I just have awesome initials like God's Word. But anyway, uh, it, Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper who will be with you forever. He's speaking to the disciples. He said, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. But you know what? I'm going to pray to the Father. He's going to give you another helper. And it's for you and I too. He'll be with us forever. Watch. The helper is the spirit of truth. See, it's a capital S. Whenever you read the New Testament and you see that capital S, that's how you distinguish between man's spirit and God's spirit. The Holy Spirit, capital S. He's a person. It's the spirit of Jesus Christ himself. He says, I'm going to send a helper. And he, the helper is the spirit of the truth. The world cannot accept him because it doesn't see him or know him. How do you know the Holy Spirit? It's through Jesus. Through Jesus. You know him because he lives with you and will be with you. It doesn't mean you're, you're going to turn into a God. That's, that's not Christian faith whatsoever. But when we receive Christ as our Savior and we turn from our sins and we say, God... 
Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And that moment, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. So, so Greg is not God, but the Holy Spirit lives in me to change me, to become more like Christ's character. But I'll never be a deity, not in this life or the life to come. But I'm so thankful that there's a deity who's my friend and my constant companion. And that's the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, he'll be with you forever. Forever. That's the confidence that we have. The Holy Spirit is with us. It's pretty interesting, uh, this, this word here. It says, I will send another, a helper. Some English translations also, they translate that advocate even, which is kind of cool. Think about that, God's your attorney. The, the Greek word here for helper is a Greek word that, that's used for the Holy Spirit, one of the names of the Holy Spirit, and it's paraclete, parakletos. And you know what it literally means? It's so cool. Talking about the Holy Spirit, one who comes alongside you and kind of puts, your arm, puts his arm around you and you walk together. That's what the Holy Spirit is. Companion. Helper. And, 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 and Jesus said, all you have to do is ask and God will give you the Holy Spirit. What does that feel like? I don't know. It's not an emotion. It's a fact. Jesus said, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. It's pretty interesting, in John chapter 20, after his resurrection, he walked through the wall. The disciples are there. You can read it for yourself in John 20. And it says that he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they were completely different after that. Powerful. Powerful. With us forever. Forever. Third thing that... that We'll experience, when we're aware of God's presence ongoing, we experience peace in the midst of storm, in the midst of just incredible things. From my vantage point as a pastor, actually just in a few weeks, it'll be 27 years, 27th anniversary since I was ordained here. I, I had a vantage point to see people go through some really difficult times. Because that's life. It's amazing, though, how you can watch someone go through the same exact struggle as someone else. Almost exactly the same situation. One aware of God's presence with them. One doubting, not so sure. Completely different perspectives. Completely different outcomes. Just the, the awareness of, I don't understand all this. I don't know why it's happening, but I do trust God. And I know I'm going to be all right. We experience peace in the midst of storms. It doesn't matter how bad the waves are crashing if we're aware of his presence. You remember this story, don't you? Jesus on the Sea of Galilee, the disciples, it's in the Gospels. And a storm comes up, and Jesus is asleep in the boat. And the waves are crashing over, and they wake Jesus up, and he's like, what? And he's all groggy. You know, maybe like me, it takes me like 45 minutes for my eyes to open. And he's like, what? And like, master, you sent us out of here. We're going to die. Jesus 
kind of one of those moments, you know, where I just picture, it's not in the Bible, but I just picture it. Jesus kind of going, are you sure this is going to work? Jesus stands up and he speaks to the storm. Peace be still. And it's gone. They forgot who was in the boat with them. As we learned last week, the one who holds all of creation together by the power of his word was asleep in the boat. Isn't that crazy? Because none of us would ever do that, would we? We'd never forget who's in the boat with us, would we? We, we, we'd never doubt that God really cared about us and was watching out for us. We'd never do that, would we? 2,000 years of technological advances and we as humanity are exactly the same. We experience peace in the midst of storm. Knowing that nothing in this world is more powerful or knowledgeable than Almighty God gives us amazing peace and confidence in the midst of difficulties and sufferings. A friend of mine texted me this week. He's like, hey, this is, this is a difficult time for me. I was preparing this message and I texted him back this verse I want to share with you. Isaiah 26.3, it says, you will keep him in perfect peace. Perfect peace. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Not just peace, perfect peace. See, the disciples, they were looking at the storm instead of Jesus. They should have been sleeping like Jesus was rather than worrying about the storm. If, if they were focused on him, they wouldn't have been full of fear and anxiety. You will keep them in perfect peace. Not just a little peace, perfect peace. All who do what? Who trust in you. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? When we're aware of his presence, we trust him. Fourth, uh, for, fourth evidence that we're aware of his presence, we have a hunger for his word. We have a hunger for his word. Reading the Bible is like listening to the Lord speaking directly to us. And when we begin each morning with his word, it reminds us all day long of his instructions and his constant care for us. It's like the owner's manual. That's what, that's what the Bible is. It's the manufacturer's owner's manual. It tells us how our, my car, the owner's manual, tells me how the car is supposed to work and function properly. The Bible tells me how life is supposed to function properly because the, the owner has given it to me. And so we have a hunger for his word. Psalm 119 verse 11 puts it this way, I treasure your word above all else. It keeps me from sinning against you. It keeps me from sinning against you. So I had a conversation with, with a friend this week, uh, and, uh, and we were talking about the Bible and all, and, uh, and he said, you know what, you should recommend a Bible to people. 
And so I'm recommending the Bible to people. Uh, this, is the, this is the Bible that I read. Not, not enough for a beginner, but if you want to just go deeper, and I don't get a cut from this or anything, but I just thought, hey, I'm going to take a friend's recommendation. I'm going to recommend a Bible. This is the Bible that I recommend, Life Application Study Bible, New Living Translation. And, and as you can see, it's pretty thick. This isn't the kind you bring to church because, well, if you want to get your biceps getting a little tighter, you do that. But it has all kinds of, like, study notes and original, and, 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 uh, and you know, as I was talking to my friend, what, what he said was, you, you mean I could read this and it's like how Greg teaches. I'm like, yeah, that's how I try to teach anyway. You know, it's about applying it to life. And, and, and there's so, the Bible becomes so real and so important when we understand it. And, and so I encourage you, you can pick these up at Walmart or Amazon.com or anything like that. And, and it's just fantastic. So you not only understand, but then what you're reading, but then how do I live this out? How do I live this out? So that's Life Application Study Bible. I wish I got a kickback for that, but I don't. So uh, you pick up one of those, and, and I think you'll be really glad that you did. David, again, I treasure your word above all else. God says, you're a man after my own heart. Do you hear it? David says, there's nowhere I can run from you. I treasure your word above everything else. And God says, he gets it. He gets it. He understands the power of my presence with him always. Fifth thing is this. We have joy in our hearts. When we're aware of God's presence with us all the time, it gives us joy. And joy is not based on circumstances. It's not based on are things going well, are things going bad. Joy is based on who God is, not what the circumstances around me dictate. I don't know about you, but I'll just say uh, on this one, uh, I don't think I rank a five on that one, on the scale of one to five. This is, this is the tough one for, for me. Knowing that God is all-powerful and is constantly with us puts troubling circumstances in their proper place under his authority. And it gives us unexplainable joy of his companionship. First Peter chapter 1, verse 8, Peter put it this way, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, your love, you love him even though you have never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward of trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. There's, there's joy that comes with trusting God. I love the old hymn of the church that says, our anchor holds within the veil. There's an anchor of trust in Jesus Christ on the other side. He's my anchor, and it brings me joy. Inexpressible joy. And isn't it cool that Peter's talking about trusting God even though we can't see him? That's where we find ourselves today. But he's like, He's real. His presence is, it will give you inexpressible joy. Joy in your hearts. The sixth one is this, we're more conscious of the blessings that God sends when we're aware of his presence. We're much more conscious of his blessings. Instead of giving other people credit for our blessings or even attributing it to luck, I mean, what a pathetic thing is that, you know? Man, I got good luck. Random chance gave me that job. No, God did. Random chance, no, God did that. 
we're more conscious of the blessings that he sends us. James chapter one, verse 17 puts it this way. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes from God. Coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every blessing in your life, when you become aware of God's presence, you realize he was blessing me when I want nothing to do with him. He did that for me when I was trying to run from him, when I thought I could run from him. Every blessing, every good and perfect gift comes from God. Everyone. Because here's the reality. None of us deserve anything good to ever happen to us. That's the facts. None of us do. Because none of us are good. We fool ourselves into thinking, I deserve that, I earn that. We're not. God still blesses us. He still pours out his grace upon us. Even those that, that run from him, reject him, and deny that he ever even exists, or ever, you know, he still blesses. Every good gift, we're more conscious of the blessings that he sends us. And here's the seventh, as I condensed this list from 17. When we're aware of God's presence, with us all the time, we have hope. It gives us hope. Hope when it seems like everything is lost. Hope when I don't even know how to face tomorrow. God's presence gives us hope. Our confidence is in God not in good circumstances. He's our helper. And he's our sustainer. And that gives us hope. No matter what the final grade is, the diagnosis, the reason why the boss wants to meet with us late on a Friday afternoon, we have hope because of him. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 puts it this way. And this hope in him and in his presence will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, and that's what we're going to talk about next week more than we can even imagine. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit, his presence, to fill our hearts with his love. And so we have hope. We have hope that the, the paraclete has got his arm around us. And you're never alone. And I'm never alone. God's always right there, just right there. And he wants you and he wants me to become even more aware of his presence. Because that awareness changes everything. And so let me end where I started. God is more present than we think, and he invites you and I to lean into his presence. Because he knows in his presence, when we acknowledge that and we're aware of it, that's where the real change comes. He, 
He can change the circumstances, but what God wants to do is change your heart and change your perspective and mine as well. That's what he wants more than anything. The circumstances are easy. The heart, he's not going to do it unless you let him. He's not going to kick in the door to my life or yours unless we invite him. But when we invite him to come in, by receiving his son and asking Jesus to be the Lord of our life and direct our life, it changes our perspective and it changes our hearts. And we have hope. I, I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know how dark it might be right now in this hour of your life. Maybe the dark clouds are rolling in and you're afraid of what tomorrow may hold. I may not know what you're going through, but one thing I do know is this. I know someone who wants to walk you right through it. And his name is Jesus. And he's here. And when you leave today, you're not leaving him behind. He's going to walk right out with you. And he wants to be with you. My wife Susie and I, we've told that to our girls so many times. They were growing up. We said, there's going to come a day mom and daddy aren't going to be on this planet anymore. But we want you to know Jesus. Because he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Distance may separate us. Time, death could even separate us. He'll never separate You'll never be separated from him. And so the best thing I could do to help you today, if the dark clouds are rolling in or maybe they're already here in your life, is to point you to the one who'll never leave. Make you aware of his presence. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your presence. Lord, Lord, I, I thank you that even <laughs> that David wrote so much about your presence that, that this idea of your presence with us all the time, your omnipresence all over the Bible, that, that David even wrote in Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me and your rod and your staff they comfort me Father thank you for your presence thank you for the promise that Jesus gave us of the Holy Spirit thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us right now and God I pray that as we leave this place, Lord, that we wouldn't forget your presence goes with us. And that though we may leave a geographical area, Lord, that your presence never leaves us. So Father, I just pray that we would have even a greater awareness of your presence from this day forward. Right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, 
I just want to give each and every person here an opportunity. If you've never taken that step to invite the presence of God into your life, Jesus Christ, you can do that by, by praying a simple prayer because he wants to fill your life with his presence. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. He wants to direct you. He loves you more than you'll ever realize. He proved that to taking your place and my place and sacrificing himself on the cross and rising again three days later. In fact, it's a lot simpler, I think, than sometimes we make it out. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I, I, if you're here and you've never prayed that prayer before to invite Jesus into your life, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I just wanna invite you to pray this prayer after me and open your heart to him right now because he's here. His presence is here. So just repeat after me, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you to direct my life from this day forward with your presence. And Father, I pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit right now and make me more aware of your presence every day of my life as I live my life with Jesus as my Lord and follow him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you.